<laughs> well, good morning. Boy, you get some big vocabulary words in there, don't you? Cornucopia? I'll have to check with, like, what that means. That's a, a big one. Summer 1988, I was finishing with a group of people a mission project, and we were in Izmir, Turkey. And in just a few days, we would fly back. It was a resort. And uh, we had ordered our food from a, a waitress who was Turkish. And the food came, and we were really hungry. And we could see it there in the tray, but there was some confusion. Who got what? Now, she had like uh, seven words of English, and we had nine words of Turkish. And we're trying to figure this out, and it's not going well. And we're continuing to be hungry, and the food's right there, but we can't get it sorted. Well, there was one guy. He had come a couple of weeks after we had. He'd been there about six weeks, but he was a long-termer, and he had been working on language, strictly language. So he thought, said, can I give it a try? And we thought, please, please. And he hacked through and banged through enough Turkish that he was able to explain which food went where, and we got to eat. You know, it, that one guy with us made the difference between us getting the food, or at least the food we ordered, and not. As I mentioned, we are celebrating God with us. And the difference that makes in our life. And we, we've talked about last week, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, hope and, and love. And we're going to talk about joy today. And then we're going to talk about peace next week. But I want us to talk about um, how does God with us bring us joy? Just, just like we were starving for that food that was right there. I think a lot of people look out in culture and they think there's something there's missing. And they're starved for joy. And where does that come from? Well, talk about that. So if you've got a Bible, open it to John chapter 1. We're going to start there and go through verse 18 with this question. How does God with us, Emmanuel, Jesus, how does God with us bring us joy? Well, it starts this way, and it, it gives us an understanding of who Jesus is. It, who is this, that person that showed up? Well, what was so unique about him, so special? Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, this hints at what we know as, as the Trinity, at least two parts of the Trinity. We have God the Father and God the Son, the Word of God, God's self-expression. And back when the world started, those two with the Spirit, they were together. They were there before this whole thing came into being. So this Jesus is the Word of God. Uh, verse 3, it says, All things came into being through him, Talking about Jesus, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Now, when I came in this morning, there were no lights on, or with Daniel, I guess he was the first one in here. When he came in, there were no lights on, and he just, he pushed a button back there, and, and some electrician people had set it up, and it hooked to electricity, and poof, the lights came on. That's not how it started back in the day. It was void, and it was dark, and God spoke, said, let there be light, and there was light. He is the beginning of everything. You know, when I read debates between, and I have not read every transcript of every debate, but one of the things that comes up is, what is the first cause? So you go back and you say there was this primordial soup, okay. Where did those elements come from? You, you push back, what's the first cause? And honestly, most atheists I've seen ignore that. Well, here's what we're saying, Jesus 
was the first cause. He was the one that said, let there be, and, and it was. Uh, so in verse 4 it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light, which is a metaphor for life, shines in the darkness. Now, when you come into a dark room and you turn on the light. What happens to the darkness? It's gone. It goes away. So we got this picture, and the, the darkness is metaphorical for the evil. And the darkness did not comprehend it. I think it's better translated, overcome it. So Jesus brings life. Uh, we read this in Genesis 3. Humanity pushed back against God, and all hell broke loose. We're, we're separated from God, and Jesus is coming back, the Word who was there from the beginning, and He takes on human flesh, and He's born as a baby. Now, this is a big deal. It's a big, big deal. And Israel was God's chosen people, and they had not had a prophetic word for God for 400 years. So God, in his wisdom, thought it'd be good to have a forerunner to get the people ready. And so that's what we see in verses 6 through 8. There came a man sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all the people might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. He said, folks, get ready. It's been a long time since we've heard from God, but he's shown up in a really special and unique way. Let's get ready. This is a big deal. 1997, Hope and I went to language school in San Jose, Costa Rica for seven months to learn Spanish. Then we would go down to Chile as missionaries. Well, during that time, President Bill Clinton came to visit Costa Rica. You're talking about a big deal. I mean, they spent weeks getting ready. He, and he spent 12 to 15 hours in the country. That's what he spent. Came in on the night, left by noon the next day. Three o'clock, maybe, maybe he spent 18 hours. But man, they, they, they cleaned the streets and they got things ready and they, they polished the, the shops where he, he'd be going and all the kids got out of school that day because this was a big deal. It had been 35 years. The last president to come before Clinton was John F. Kennedy. And man, when he came in the night before, every Costa Rican television station was on that and oh, Air Force One has entered Costa Rican airspace, and he landed, and there was a big ceremony, and the president of Costa Rica greeted him, and there was this big thing. I mean, people spent a ton of time getting ready for the president of the United States. How much more? God's going to show up. So John the Baptist is sent to get the people ready. Verse 9 says, there was the true light which came into the world, enlightens every man. It brings life. It, it brings understanding. But here's the sad part. Jesus comes to the world which he creates, and here's what happens. Verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and sadly, the world did not know him. How bad did it get? Verse 11, he came to his own, talking about the Jewish people. God had gone into a covenant relationship with them, maybe 2,000 years before Jesus was born. And those who were his own did not receive him. They rejected him. So then John talks about a transition. He's talking about rejection, but he says in verse 12, but as many as received him, 
Talking about Jesus. To them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So Jesus came to, to rescue us. We as a people, corporately, we were separated from God. And he came to offer himself. And the plan of Jesus coming was he would live 30 years and then publicly minister for three and then die on a cross, rise again from the dead. He'd live a perfect life, the life you and I were designed to live in full submission to the Father and die in our place so, so we could be children of God. Be connected, be in a father-son, father-daughter relationship with him. Now, receiving Jesus, and I lean on D.A. Carson, he's a scholar, talks, it means yielding allegiance, trusting in him completely, acknowledging his claims, and confessing him with gratitude. This is a, a total submission. I, I, I yield my allegiance. I, I, I put my trust in you completely. And when that happens, we're, we're born again, we're born anew, we're changed from the inside out. It says then in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. This is a supernatural act that goes on in the person who believes in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. So, so we're talking about Jesus, and we know he came to earth, and he's Emmanuel, God with us. And in it restores joy because it's the beginning of God's reconciling work. It's the beginning of God reconciling us to him. And the offer is made. And for that, we can have joy. See, we look for joy in the creation. And it's not there. It's tempting. It looks good. But it doesn't deliver. The joy we're looking for is found in the creator. But we're separated from him. All of us have pushed back. All of us have said, God, I'll, you go your way, I'll go mine. I'll run my own show. And for that, Jesus has come to rescue us. He died to restore that relationship and to restore that joy. Several years ago, a movie called Hacksaw Ridge came out. It's a true story. It's set in World War II. The hero, the protagonist, is Private First Class Desmond Doss, and he signs up for the Army in World War II, but there's something unique about Private First Class Doss. He's a pacifist, and he won't carry a gun. And the men in his company think, there's no, there's no way. And I mean, they beat him, they taunt him, they do everything they can, can to get him discharged, but, but they can't. Uh, the captain is a guy named Jack Glover of, of, the, of the company, and he goes to the wall to get this guy discharged, but can't. So he goes over as a medic, and this company ends up on what they call Hacksaw Ridge. You've got to work your way up, and it's, it's a jagged area, and it's a brutal fight, and they take, as the movie shows, they take part of the ridge, but the next day the Japanese counterattack, and men are wounded and left to die because the Japanese are coming back with cleanup crews to finish off those. So everybody retreats off the ridge, except two. Private first class, Desmond Doss. And at risk of his life, he scurries around and finds 75 injured men and shuttles them down the ridge. Is everybody down? Yeah, but Private Doss is still up there. What's he doing? He's finding soldiers. He shuttled 75 men. If you were one of the injured soldiers up on that ridge, knowing the Japanese were coming, would you be glad to see Private First Class Desmond Doss show up? The guy you'd mocked? The guy you'd made fun of? You know what the ultimate irony is in this? 
one of the men he saved? Captain Jack Glover. He did everything he could to get Desmond Doss out of the army. He tried to get him psychologically discharged. At the end of the movie, they, they show interviews. And Glover said, I'm alive today. Because Private First Class, the courage of Private First Class Desmond Doss. That, that's a picture of what Jesus did. Doss came off, he lived. Jesus came to rescue you and me, and he died. Jesus is a rescuer. That's why we're celebrating him. And he connects us with our creator, and he allows us to know him. Here's what verse 14 says. The word, that's Jesus, became flesh. That's what we're celebrating at Christmas. And dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We got to know God in person when Jesus comes. And he comes full of grace and truth. He didn't compromise God's word. He put it out to us, but he said, I'll forgive you and I'll empower you. And in the process, I will allow you to get to know God on a personal basis. So before I was here, I worked at Lincoln Brain. I was a singles pastor. And in the time I had gotten married, these online dating sites had come out. So these, some of these singles would say, Andy, what do you think about trying one of these online services? I thought, why not? Be cautious, but, but why not? But I said this, as you get to know somebody online, Understand, you really can't step into a relationship with them until you, until you meet them in person. That's a start, but you can't. Do you understand this, what Jesus did for us? See, see, God communicated through the prophets, and it was written down, and they had the writings of Moses and David and Isaiah and all the prophets, and, and God showed himself through that. And you can get to know someone to a point in that, but when they show up in person, well, well that changes it. That's what Jesus did in rescuing. He, he not only rescues us, reconciles us, but he allows us to get to know God. Verse 15, for John testified him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has a higher rank than I am. Why? For he existed before me. Understand, John the Baptist is speaking there, and even though he was born before Jesus, he says, Jesus existed before me. What's that hinting at? It's hinting that Jesus is eternally existent. Even though John the Baptist was born for, first and Jesus is three months later, John says, this guy existed before me. Why? Because he's eternal. Because he's the word of God who's taken on flesh. Uh, verses 16 and 17, for of his fullness we have all received in grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus. Eugene Peterson says, puts it this way, Moses gave us the basics about God. Jesus gives us endless knowing and understanding. Jesus is revealing this God to us. Verse 18 then says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And shown up, he has explained him. In person, he explains God. Our oldest grandchild was born while we were missionaries in Chile. He was born in November, and uh, Hope's dad, my wife's dad, came down to see him. But my folks couldn't travel. My dad had had a stroke two years earlier, and uh, they would have to wait until we got back to the States. And we sent pictures, and we called, and again, this is before the phones and the video, but, but they felt like, yeah, you know, I, I, you sent, I'm, I'm kind of getting to, to know my grandchild. Well, we got back when he was about three months old. Went to Alabama, where my wife is from, then went down to Florida, where my parents winter. And uh, I'll never forget walking their mobile home. Chris was a super easy kid, but, but we had uh, misgaged it, and he was hungry, and and he was throwing a fit, so we walk in there, 
and he's thrown a fit. And my parents just laugh out of joy because they're seeing their grandchild in person for the first time. But, but they've seen pictures. Friends, that ain't the same. I think it was about a day later. Again, my dad had had that stroke, so we had to put him in his hand, and, and his, he'd hold him with his right, and his left side didn't work, and uh, he had put it around, and he didn't have much feeling. And Chris, at three or four months, would, would, had got down, and he was kind of gumming himself on his thumb. My dad didn't know that. My mom saw it, and she said, Oh, Huey, he's, he's chewing on your thumb. Oh, he is? And they laughed again about that. I didn't think it was that big a deal. But they were so overwhelmed to meet their grandson in person. Oh, but they'd seen pictures. That isn't the same. Do you understand? Yes, Jesus had rescued us, but he has revealed God to us in why we're people of joy. We've been restored, not just a connection, but a personal connection. That's why we can say, joyful, joyful in the Lord. That's why at the end of this service, we'll sing again about God with us, because it really matters. It gives us true joy. It connects us with your Creator, and it allows us to know God in July of 2018, the world was riveted by what was going on in Thailand. Twelve boys and their coach and soccer team had decided they'd go into a cave. And all of a sudden, the rains came and they were trapped. And there was a question, would, would oxygen run out? Would they die? Would they die of some kind of poisoning? They made contact and there was a lot that went on. But finally, when it came to getting the boys out, and the coach, they'd sedate them, and they'd put a pack on them, and they'd put a mask on them, and they, they had to take them through these caves and caverns and, and get them to outside. And it was two divers per boy because they had to guide him in there. And, and one had to watch the mask because the kid could drown. Coming off. There was a personal rescue. When there were things, uh, they were above water, one, one diver would look above because they didn't want the, the whatever it was to, to hit the kid. It would be better to hit the diver first because he could put his mask back on. Again, they, they were watching out. It was a personal rescue. Do you understand? That's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. A personal rescue for you believers. Guiding you out, not, not to outside of a cave, back to the Father. That you can know your Creator, not at a distance, in person. We're people of joy. Because God with us, Christmas, is the beginning, is the start of God's ongoing rescue work that is going on in our world. Let's pray. Father, we are joyful. And we do adore Thee. Uh, for many reasons, but most of all this morning, we're, we're focused on the fact that that you rescued us. Thank you, Jesus, that this is just not a, a sentimental act, but it is an act of rescue. It is a, a, an act of mercy, an act of grace, that we could begin to be connected with our Father and, and truly have the joy that comes from knowing our Creator. And we're not limited to the creation to find joy. Thank you, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.